Ildrakovic and Zay Flowers are obviously the most important players on the BC, but what are three other players that are critical to success for Boston College in 2022? I'll be joined by Mitch Wolf today to talk all about that and more on today's Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black, happy Monday, everyone. Now, we're talking about critical players for Boston College. We're starting to rev up and get ready for that 2022 season. You know, the students are about done with their semester, so it's almost time to turn that page and look at the next academic school year, even though there's no athletic director yet. Uh, But with me today to talk about the football team and look at some of these critical players is Mitch Wolf, staff writer, and who does a whole lot of other things. Mitch, how's it going? Doing good. Uh, it's kind of interesting to look back at this roster and, you know, try to start projecting forward. And, you know, it's obviously a long time before the season, but no time like the present to start thinking about the next season. Right. And so before we get into those players, you know, I, this is a snapshot picture, right? This is where we're at right now with this team. Obviously, there could be some, um, you know, transfers that come in, injuries that happen. All these things could really uh, put a put a monkey wrench into our, our discussion and how we're thinking about how the season's going to go. But Mitch, I'll let you start off. Who's your number three? Mo- uh, and Oh, actually, let me take a step back. We're keeping off Phil Dracovic and Zay Flowers on our critical players list because those are two that are like, duh. Yeah, obviously, they're going to be critical to the season. And we could talk about them for episodes on end. But these are these other players that we're looking at. Mitch, who's your first one? Yeah, and I think last season can really underscore just how important Djokovic is to this team, so we don't really need to talk about it any more than we did uh, last year. Uh, my number three, though, I would say is um, Marcus Valdez, uh, the defensive end who will be a six-year player, I think, this season. Uh, he's been around for a very long time, um, and he, he was injured for a decent bit of last season, so he kind of took a little bit to get going, and he's been a very consistent player that we've, you know, relied that the defense has relied upon the last few seasons. He hasn't kind of reached that next level and I'm not sure he ever will, but I think that if you have him at least as a consistent pass rush threat on one side, offensive lines will kind of slide towards him to at least begin the season, which will open up opportunities for other players. And then that will kind of um, shift back and forth between teams rotating or protections away into him. So I think, I think since this will be his final season, he's going to really try to finish on a high note and put in probably his best statistical season as a pass rusher. Now, I know you look at a lot of like, um, you know, stats and, and measurables. What do you think the ceiling could be for a guy that's like 5'11"? Yeah, it's, I mean, the good thing about shorter pass rushers, and you see it a bit, and this is obviously an extremely lofty comparison with Aaron Donald, is that when you are shorter, you are able to generate Uh, more leverage against your opponent because as the saying goes the low man wins in football and the thing about Valdez is like obviously I think a lot of his wins come from his great effort which that's you know you obviously need that he's also more of a refined pass rush in terms of his pass rush move so he has a lot of that he has like a lot of clubs in his bag if you will Uh, but you know there isn't though and I'll I'll keep switching my sports metaphors he doesn't have that you know, hundred mile per hour fastball that allows you just, okay, like go out there and win with pure speed or pure power. So, you know, when you're playing against uh, better offensive tackles uh, in terms of physically and technically, you know, you kind of need that 
uh, thing to fall back on. It's just a, you know, you can win against anybody. And I'm not sure he really has that, honestly. Okay. Okay. So we're, we're, we're given three each. And so I'll give you my number three. My number three is CJ Burton. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to go with a um, secondary player. And when I looked at the secondary, Josh DeBerry to me seems like a lock. Like, you know mm-hmm. what you're going to get with him. Uh, one of the best, you know, defensive backs in the, in the, in the ACC, one of the better ones in the country, you, you, you know, it's not critical. I would say that he has a big season cause he's going to, when I look at critical, like a guy that needs to jump in and really have a big season. I look at Burton because I wrote about it today on, on or yesterday on BC bulletin that when you have, when you line up the secondary, right. And Mitch, you can always jump in if I'm wrong here, you're going to have, you're going to have to bury Azure nickel. And then you're going to have your outsides being probably Elijah Jones and Burton. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So, you know, Elijah Jones has been solid. You know what you're going to get with him. I think he's going to be consistent. The big question mark is Burton. Now he is a former four-star um, uh, recruit, you know, from the class of 21. Anyone who follows BC recruiting knows how big of a get he was. He was from St. Francis Academy, uh, a flip from the Florida Gators, which, you know, that how often anything like that ever happened for BC, you know, comes in, uh, plays a little bit last year when there was injuries to Sebastian, when there was injuries to DeBerry, he put, he filled in both uh, positions and played 10 games and had four breakups, which I thought was an, an interesting number for a freshman to, to put up. Uh, mm-hmm. So for me, I I'd love to see Burton come in and be, you know, start to show why he was so highly ranked. You know, he was a track star in, in high school, show that speed, show that ability. Cause I think he's going to be a name you're going to want to watch for Mitch. Do you have any thoughts on Burton? Yeah, I think that he's going to see a lot of targets. Um, he, he saw his playing time increase as the season went on, uh, you know, with injuries and everything, mostly to Brandon Sebastian. Um, and I think that, you know, he kind of, as he got more playing time, he, there were some bumps in the road, which is to be expected for a true freshman. So I think you're going to see him, you know, take a step forward this year, but he's also going to get tested because like you said, you know, Elijah Jones is the, one of the other statesmen in the defensive back room. Josh DeBerry is probably the best player in the secondary period. So, you know, just by process of elimination, essentially CJ Burton, at least in the beginning of the season will be the weak point that offenses will seek to attack. And it could end up that he's not going to be a weak point and he could kind of you know prove himself early on and be like, okay, like, you know, now offenses have to adjust. You saw this with how teams attacked Cincinnati this past season, where they pretty much just ignored Sauce Gardner's side of the field and went after Kobe Bryant, who ended up winning the Jim Thorpe Award just because he kept getting thrown out so much because teams were so afraid of Sauce Gardner. I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen, but that's, you know, a similar narrative situation that I think could happen with BC's defense. All right, Mitch, uh, in a moment, we'll get into your other picks. But before we do that... Let's talk about my friends over at Bill Bar. I got a new package of Bill Bars over the week, and it was the birthday cake puffs. Now, if you've listened to this podcast, you know how much I enjoy Bill Bars. They're 100% covered in chocolate. They're a protein bar, and they give me the fuel I need every day to get through a tough day at work. But I've talked about how many, how much I've liked some of these other bars. I tried these birthday cake puffs, and they are a game changer. These things are delicious. Imagine dipping your finger into that plastic tub of birthday cake frosting and then opening your eyes and realizing it was only 150 calories and 16 grams of protein. This is what it's like to eat a birthday cake puff. I had one. It's soft. It's gooey. It's a marshmallow 
covered in chocolate. It is so good. You need to check them out. They're only a limited time offer. So make sure to head over to built.com. They all, and if birthday cake is not your cup of tea, and I, I wish you do try it, you need to check out some of their other flavors. They have a ton over on the website and they have specialty orders that are always being updated on built.com. So head over to built.com right now and use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. Now, over the weekend, I had a, a, a big-time update for our premium members up at bcbulletin.com, loaded with transfer news and recruiting information. So if you are not a premium member, this is the perfect time to go because you know the visits are going to start coming fast and furiously. The month of June is going to be enormous. So if you're interested in getting the up-to-date information from someone who talks to the recruits, talks to the team, it's a dollar for your first month. So buy it for the month of June. You're going to get a ton of information from me and you'll find out all about all these new recruits and some of the ones that might actually become Boston College Eagles. So head over to bcbulletin.com, hit that subscribe button and sign up today. All right, Mitch, we're on to our number two here. Who is your second pick for a critical player in 2022? My number two, and I'm going to kind of uh, take attack from you going with the secondary players, Jaden Lars Woodbay, who, you know, I talked about a lot when the last time I was on, we were talking about the draft prospects for next year. And I think that he could have an ascendant season if he can continue to make big plays. And that's why he's my pick is because he has that knack to make big plays that can flip the momentum of a game. And, you know, that's something that I think this defense is still kind of, They've you know very good at limiting big play. They got a lot better at limiting big plays. Uh, you know, obviously they were very good in terms of passing yards allowed and passing efficiency and allowed and all that. Um, but I'd like to see them, you know, maybe you know, create some more turnovers. And I think that Wood Bay is going to be at the center of that. And that could be interceptions uh on you know short throws over the middle, because that's where he'll be playing in zone. It could be, you know, him forcing fumbles where he you know, hit, make, make, make some big hits over the middle against running backs and receivers as well. Um, and I think he's also, you know, going to be taking on a really big leadership for this defense. You know, I think he kind of came into the room last year and sees that pretty quickly. I think partially due to injuries to the, some of the other senior players, but I think he's going to kind of become the heart and soul of this defense. And I think early, maybe, maybe more so the mouth. I think that uh, Marcus Velda is the heart and soul, but Woodbay's a little more of a character. So I think that he's going to be kind of the vocal leader, if you will. And I think that his play on the field is going to be extremely crucial to the success of this defense and the team overall. I, I think I talked about it with you last week about how great of a fit he is for the Boston college culture. Uh, he was just named at the BC uh, athletic awards for uh, athlete of the year in terms of academics. Um, I remember him reaching out. And so it's, it's a little side story. So when I, a lot of times when for BC Bulletin, when there's transfers or recruits that are coming in, um, I reach out to them just to kind of get some feedback on it. And I had heard his name buzzed as someone who BC might be interested in. And I talked to him when he first knew, like he was looking into schools. I know he was looking at like, I think it was Texas A&M and there was another school he was looking at. And he knew nothing about Boston College other than playing them for FSU. And he was like, yeah, what's, what's the deal with BC? Like, and he was just asking me some questions. I, I ended up put, pointing him in the right direction of where to go, but to find a guy like that, who just honestly didn't know anything about Boston college and to find him and get him into this role and have him succeed on and off the, off the field is a pretty remarkable story. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I think Jaden Woodbay is a huge one to watch for. And I think he's one of the more underrated d- d- secondary players in the ACC. So he might be a name we see more of uh, coming up. Now, Mitch, my second one, we're going to stick with the defensive side of the ball here. 
as uh, my last secondary, uh, uh, sorry, not secondary, last defensive player that I have uh, for this for this uh, critical player group f- uh, for 2022. And I'm going to pick uh, Cam Arnold, linebacker Cam Arnold, mm-hmm. because just kind of like what you picked with Marcus Valdez, um, there needs to be a playmaker on this defensive uh, second level uh, with the linebackers. And I think Cam Arnold's going to have to be that. And, you know, he's going into his second year as being a linebacker. Before that, he was a safety. He's been in this defense for three years now, so he's got the experience to do it. We saw flashes of what he could be last year. We also saw flashes of a guy who was just put into that position. So I'd love to see him step up because you have the elder statesman almost at linebacker with Vinny De Palma, but is he a game changer? I don't think he's a game changer per se. He's a solid player. He does some things well. I think Cam Arnold could take that next step and be a game, uh, like make big plays at linebacker, be a uh, Isaiah McDuffie who could make a big play here or there, or, you know, take that next step and do those types of things. Mitch, what are your thoughts on Arnold and what he could be doing for this next season? Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that he's going to be the more athletic linebacker and you could even make that argument for Bryce Steele, but he's, I think he's still kind of going to be also growing into the position uh, just physically and mentally. Whereas I think Arnold has kind of, like you said, he had his growing pains last year, learning the position. And I think that if you showed anybody his tape and said, and they were like, Oh, this guy's having a lot of issues. Like, well, this is his first year playing linebacker. It's like, okay, that makes sense. Um, And, you know, his final game of the season against wake was one of his best games in terms of, uh, you know, not missing tackles, being in the right place, fitting the run well. And granted that offense is a little weird, but so, but it's good to see him making those plays. Um, But yeah, I I have high hopes for Arnold this year as well. Um, Him taking that next step forward into, you know, developing into a leader that probably speaks more with his play as opposed to his words. What do you, what kind of, uh, comparisons do you see him like in terms of him developing like if he t- develops to his true self what do you see him uh, becoming like Mitch so with Arnold he's he is more of a traditional will linebacker which is the weak side linebacker which if you think about it this way like your mic is going to be playing more towards the side of the offense's run strength and they're typically asked more to take on blocks from uh, offensive linemen and tight ends usually they're a little bigger a little stronger whereas the will or uh, weak side linebacker is faster, uh, is kind of make is kind of flowing with the run to make sure that cutback lanes are cut off. And then, you know, once the running back makes his move, the will knifes through a gap to make the tackle. So, and I, essentially they're usually better players in coverage, which I think that's somewhere Arnold has actually been pretty decent given his safety background. So I think him just kind of learning how to read his keys as a run defender, which again, that just comes with time experience and all that. So him getting better at that and then just, you know, being willing to take on those blocks from offensive linemen, those are the steps that he's going to have to take, which I have full confidence that he'll be able to do that. I th- yeah, he's an exciting player. I'm really mm-hmm. excited to see the, the future of this linebacker position as they continue to kind of cycle out the Steve Adazio guys and get their guys in there um, mm-hmm. and, and to let them develop. Obviously, that's fair too, right? You need the guys to get some time. You can't just throw these freshmen in and be like, here, you know, be the next Luke Keekley. It's not going to happen. It's yeah, not going to get... No one's going to be with Keekly, but in college I mean. football, in college football and football in general today, the playing linebacker is extremely difficult just because that's the position that offenses are trying to attack with RPOs, with misdirection, all that, you know, the linebackers are the ones you are trying to confuse and the ones that you are making your reads off of traditionally. So, you know, a lot of times, and this happened with Cam Arnold, decent bit where it's like, he 
just wasn't in the right place. But like, it's not his fault because like either way, the offense is going to make a decision opposite what he's doing. So he he can't necessarily be right. So it's not you know he's you know if he makes a bad play, you're like oh that's not good. But then you if you watch it back with a more trained eye, you're like okay like he's being targeted as the read defender here. So there's really not much he can do to help make this play. All right, in just a moment, Mitch and I are going to give our number one most critical player for the upcoming season. Now, thanks for making Locked On Boston College your first listen every day. Make sure to check out Locked On NBA Big Board with host Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletter, who is joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin, giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA Draft, Mock Draft, player rankings, and of course, big boards. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next year's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Locked on Boston College, AJ Black here. We are doing Mondays with Mitch here. This is our Monday football extravaganza that we do with Mitch Wolf every uh, Monday. And we're going over the the players that are going to be so crucial for Boston College next year. And those players cannot have the names Phil Dracovic and Save Flowers because we already know about them. Now we're at our most important player. And Mitch and I all have different players. And I think that kind of just tells you where everyone kind of sits with this season. Mitch, who's your number one? My number one is actually Pat Garwo, who, you know, again, another guy that uh, is kind of coming out of your doghouse from last year, uh, <laughs> but, you know, had a major glow up last year, uh, you know, led the team in rushing, had over a thousand yards, uh, most of them coming in a few big games, uh, but was really solid throughout the season. And I think having him this year is going to be really important because, you know, the last few years, BC's offense has been one-sided and different directions but I think this year ideally if everybody stays healthy they can truly be a really balanced offense that can attack all areas of the field in in various ways and I think Garo was a huge part of that because he allows you to have that relatively simplistic run game that you can kind of build the rest of the offense around you know he's the guy that can go out and get you three or four yards at a given notice he's like all right you know it's third and two we need a first down go out and get it and he also has you know some home run threat ability where he can break some big runs for uh some big yards we saw it against uh missouri obviously saw it against clemson um you know so i think that him he's really the key in this offense besides obviously phil and zay uh, because he is the, the, the foundation the bedrock upon which this offense is going to be built all right. So Pat Garwo. Okay. I could, I could get behind that. I like, you know, he's definitely, I, I wasn't, I wasn't saying he was in my doghouse per se, but I definitely had him as an afterthought heading into last season. And I was dead wrong on that one. Um, but he definitely, I think as you're right, you're right. Like he opens up this offense and allows Phil a little bit more time uh, to make some more decisions, especially uh, given who my number one is. And I'm looking at the offensive line and now I didn't pick Christian Mahogany because I just expect he's going to have a great year, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say critically the, uh, the most critical player for Boston college in my game, my game book is Jack Conley. And I'm scared. I'm scared to death a little bit about this pick, <laughs> um, but you know, we have seen over the last two years, an offensive line that has been inconsistent at best. Now there's a lot changing going on into this year. There's a new offensive coordinator. There's, there's coach Googs. We all know about coach Googs and there is four new offensive linemen. 
you have Drew Kendall, you have um, Finn Durstein, you have um, Ozzy Trapillo and Jack Conley. Now, who out of those four has played the most? It's Conley. Conley played quite a bit last season and looked pretty raw. And he's going to be in a absolutely critical position because he has the health of Phil Dracovic in his hands. He's that blindside tackle. that's going to really be critical in order for Dracovic to not get crushed every game. Now I am not on board with just trashing a guy after one season. Now last season was scary. He, his play was scary, but can a guy grow? Can a guy develop? Absolutely. That's what this program is about. So I'm not quick to write off Jack Conley yet. And I think that if he develops, he could be a good tackle. That's all they need out of him. He just needs to be good. And that will be critical because if he can play well, you know, Dracovic, this offense, Pat Garwo, will be able to do what they need to do on that offensive line. If he becomes a giant problem, whew, things could get ugly on offense. So for me, Jack Conley is my most critical player. Mitch, what's your thoughts on Conley? Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um you know, like you say, you don't want to trash guys, but I mean, if you just watch him last year, it, it was not good in the three games where he played a lot of snaps, Clemson, NC state and Syracuse. It was really bad, especially in pass protection. I mean, he gave up seven sacks in the four game in the, in the, in the four games of Clemson, NC state, Louisville um, on only, let's see uh, about like a hundred passing snaps. So, you know, you're looking at almost a 10%, so like a 7% sack rate. Um, whenever he, and then you tack on three penalties. So essentially you're looking at like a 10% major negative play, not to mention just regular pressures or QB hits. So it, it's, it's pretty cut and dry. Like he has to take a step forward and improve his game. Otherwise this offense could fall apart or they'll have to like move some positions around, you know, maybe he had some more effectiveness as a right tackle grant against lesser opponents, but you know, maybe they, you know, flip Ozzy Trapillo over to left tackle and move Conley to right tackle. Maybe he's more comfortable over there. I don't know, but I mean, I could have put the guards there too. Cause I, that second guard position, I'm not sure, you know, Durstein, I know a lot of people have a lot of faith in, but he literally hasn't played in four years. He's been here. So he's, he's a concern, but it's that tackle. I mean, tackle is so critical. Yeah. Um, and BC has been blessed with, you know, great guard play last few years and great center play by extension uh, with Alec Lindstrom. So, you know, that, that hasn't really been a, at a problem at any point uh, for the last while. So it, you haven't to worry about it and it can be an issue if there is a weak link there, but a weak link at left tackle, especially when you're, you know, kind of relying on the health of your quarterback to keep the season going is a major weak point as often. So I think, yeah, Conley is definitely a major inflection point, his play for how this season will end up uh, playing out. All right. So if you agree with us or disagree, hit us up on locked on BC on Twitter. Let us know who your critical players of this upcoming season are going to be. Now, before we go, Mitch, I didn't, I could not find anything. We're going to get to our Googs tweet of the week. And I, I know where the coaches are right now. All these coaches are barn burning all over the country right now, going, you know, cross country, probably not seeing their families all that much as they try to find the, the most, the latest recruits. So Googs has been actually really quiet. She's just been retweeting some, some recruit stuff and things like that, but he hasn't been doing his usual, usual stuff because he's been traveling so much. But you found a good one. What was it, Mitch? I'll say this. And I think it's kind of nice that, you know, he has quite a, because then you know that like the tweets he finds, it's not like he's like having somebody look for them. Like 
it's all him. Like when he has downtime, just like, you know, looking for some random tweets. So I think you'll see this go down a bit during the season, but uh, the tweet I found, he's quote tweeting a tweet from BC itself uh, saying college dining has come a long way from chicken fingers, French fries, the food served up by BC dining at 15 locations across campus is creative, global, sustainable, increasingly plant-based and the food service industry is taking notice and then a link to the, whatever, with some pictures of, it looks like uh, the new England classic sandwich with the uh, cheese and the apple in the middle, uh, some kind of, stir fry and then uh looks like some kind of mexican taco food and coach q's tweet reads as follows hey hashtag big dogs come to the nut and get your bird on while you get your feed on you go little at bc dining feed them eagles and as a person who got late night literally every single night of his sophomore year i can really appreciate this tweet so i have to ask you what was your favorite thing at bc to eat so <laughs> I have to just say late night in general. And my fr- I went so often that my friends kind of teased me into saying that it was my religion. So I kind of ran with that and basically turned it into a polytheistic pantheon of gods, of which I took patronage at the font of chicken fingers and French fries oh, almost geez. every night, <laughs> which wow. they're really good. Like they, yep. uh, they have that nice, uh, like crispy breadedness that I really like. And yeah, so I was there a lot. <laughs> so when I was there and I'm not sure they still had it, but uh, during lunches, usually on the weekends, they had a steak and cheese bar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. They do. They still have that. And with like chipotle sauce and yeah, the chipotle mayo. That's a big hit too. Oh my Lord. Mm-hmm. That was, that was my go-to my second year as a grad student there. I would every Sunday I'd wake up after a round of, um, you know, after doing like, you know, rounds or whatever, get up, get myself one of those sandwiches. And I still think about it. I still haven't found a, a steak and cheese that matches that. So that would go, that would be my, my favorite. So anyways, we can talk food all night, Mitch. Where can people find you on social media? You can find me at Mitchell T. Wolf, W-O-L-F-E on Twitter. And just follow me there for all my takes on you know, everything BC and beyond. All right. On tomorrow's show, I will get into women's lacrosse and their big win over Denver. and What next steps are he- heading up their way. I uh, will look at the AD search and any news that are breaking with that and anything else that breaks with BC sports. Thank you all for following. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at AJ Black underscore BC and make sure to hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast. From Mitch Wolf, this is AJ Black. Thank you all for listening. Take care, everyone.